Welcome to the Beers and Ears podcast. Here are your hosts, Casey Woolley and Matthew Brown. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome in to the Beers and Ears podcast. My name is Casey. And my name is Matt. Welcome in. We're back talking new movies here. Um, I think that's I'm probably the next one, two of the, weeks uh, we got, uh, one of the most normal intros we've had in a while, Matt. <laughs> Normally we do something flashy, I know. <laughs> but dare I even say it's kind of an elemental opening. Oh, I <laughs> no, guess. Yeah. No, no. Foundation, <laughs> whatever. Yeah. But yes, we were talking movies. We're doing back to back. We're doing elemental this week and we're doing um, the new Indiana Jones and Dial of the Destiny next week, which is really exciting. Um, and you had a chance to see elemental last night, correct? Yeah. I'm, I'm less than 24 hours from seeing it. So, but I feel like before, as per usual, before we get into it, we got we got a little bit of Disney news. Uh, one of them, I'm I'm actually curious what, what I, I, I was a I don't say a shock, a little bit of a shock, um, and one of them was something that I think we all saw coming and just could have some massive things on uh, massive uh, uh, shock waves throughout the Hollywood industry. But uh, let's start with uh, Bob Iger. He's uh, gonna stick around through uh, 2026, it looks like. Yeah, you know, this one probably wasn't as big of a shock, I don't think. Um, uh, first of all, there was no heir apparent. Let's let's start there. There's no heir apparent. Um, jo I know a lot of people say Josh tomorrow, Josh tomorrow. Josh has a lot of parks experience. The problem, which I think is going to bleed into our second topic here, is that the industry, the entertainment industry itself, is going through a huge, huge, huge renaissance, uh, or dare I even say a revolution. Yeah. And um, I don't even necessarily know if the likes of Bob Iger is able to handle that, but I feel at least a little bit more comfortable with him at the helm than I would someone who doesn't have any experience in the, the movie part of the business at all. So no heir apparent that said, he's also only been in the role for seven months. So they brought him in for what was going to be two years. I would say, and Matt, maybe you disagree, but I think he's at least he he's stabilized the ship. He, yeah. He's there's stabilized. no forward momentum, but he's stabilized. No, 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 no. It. We, we haven't, we, we were falling off a cliff yeah. and we, we've, we've, we're now like, okay, we're, we're not falling anymore. We're just like, we're, we're, we're just, we're, we've stabilized. Now we got to work or how to get our, uh, get out of this. But yeah, I found it a little bit of a shock. Um, Cause you know, he was looking to get out of it. Um, Like you said, when you look at the logicness of it, like there's no air apparent, the Disney company needs somebody now more than ever to try to stabilize things and move forward. It makes sense. I think it was just kind of, again, like this whole situation is so unprecedented where you've got a CEO that grooms a leader or a successor puts him in the guys in there for, you know, less than a short years, amount of time yeah. and then comes back to replace him. <laughs> well, I, and so here, here's kind of where we're at. So, there's a when it comes to Disney, you know, I think from our perspective, is that a drone outside of my house? <laughs> oh no, it's a dragonfly. It looked like a drone the way it was like doing this hover. And the thing is, is I found a drone in my backyard like a year ago. It was oh. really weird. Yeah, God. someone someone was flying it, must have dropped it. Anyway, okay. So when we think of Disney, I think especially a lot of us on this podcast, we have a tendency to really associate immediately to like Disney parks, Disney merchandise, that, that, that themed experience. And then separately, there is the entertainment part of it, the, the various movie studios that make the various entertainment, right? With what's going, <laughs> we almost have to separate what's going on with Disney as a whole with what's going on with the entertainment industry, which is going to be the thing we're going to talk about second here, yeah. because Disney is kind of getting it from both ends of the spectrum right now. Like they're getting hit pretty hard in their parks and entertainment um, portion of their business. They've got a lot of heavy competition coming from Universal, right? They've got a lot of competition um, coming from even just like places like Bush Gardens or SeaWorld or other places like that that are starting to take a little bit of, not a lot, they're still the major player in Orlando, but these other places are, are, are coming up fast. Chappic didn't have that innovation mindset, that imagineering mindset 
so much so that he started to cut it. So when you look at Disney in that regard, they've lost two years of mind capital, right? And that's the thing that probably scares me more than this other part. And not just that, but um, some of the stuff that they tried just didn't work. And and that's okay. I don't mean that. I don't think there was necessarily a uh, a fault of Disney. I think it's important to try things and fail. But like the Galactic Star Cruiser did not work mm-hmm, to what mm-hmm. the what they thought it was going to. Even I, I I think in in terms of some of their more recent you know park rides, I don't think they got to the level that they were touting years beforehand. Mm-hmm. And um, so it, I don't want to say those are a failure. But they they just they hyped it up so much. That... I'd say the one exception to that might be Guardians, probably. Yeah, I think, I, Guardians, Guardians, I think yeah. Guardians has taken a lot of people by surprise. I think Rise of the Resistance, same thing, but it's also not reliable, which has made it a difficult sell, right? So those two, Tron, I mean, e- even Amy, who was down there this past week on her own, like she she's like tron's underwhelming like and and i think people are coming off of that ride going yeah it's kind of, so i to your point i agree with you is that that it's almost like some of it's been phoned in but now they're so far behind they've got two years of basically no imagination they've got to play some catch up and you know what's on their tail is epic universe which is going to take a big bite out of their attendance. Like when I have people ask me now, when I, when I'm talking to them about planning a trip to universal and they want to go on a budget, I don't even look at value resorts anymore at Disney. The first place I look at is, could I put them in universal? Could they have a universal trip with a couple of days at Disney instead versus staying on Disney property? And so I want to make myself very clear. I don't think any of this, despite what many on the far right would try to have you believe, I don't think any of this has anything to do with Disney being too woke. That's just noise. Let me let me say, I think there is a microscopic sliver of there's something there. But it is not the main reason. No, and I think there is there's like, just as much to, of micro. And to say that that is the main reason is folly and and a foolish argument. I also think there's a microscopic sliver on the other side of people who are afraid to go to Florida right now because of the political climate. I think there's a little yeah. bit of both. So when you add those together, it's, a it's still small. It's still small. It's there. But it's not it, it's not what is causing Disney's attendance issues. I think about what you and I have talked about multiple times on this podcast about the number of articles we've 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 read and podcasts we've listened to and experts we've talked to. I think we finally have hit that tipping point where Disney just it's too much. You you it is too much money to go on just like even in my own travel agency, the, the the topic of conversation internally, and I'm not gonna reveal who said what or whatever, but even then, like the money grab on some of the stuff that they want us to pay for is it, it's just it's ridiculously astronomical. My buddy well, Dan, it's... who just planned a trip with me and his family. Um, he's like, Casey, I gotta tell you, you know, I'm excited to be there with my kids. I'm not excited to go for Disney when everything is so blatantly a money grab while you're down there. And that breaks my heart to hear that because that's not how Disney is to me, but I totally can see it. Well, and it's, it's not that it's so expensive because Disney always has been on the pricier end, but there were always ways that I could justify the cost to people. It's like, okay, I know you're spending a lot to stay on Disney property, but you get the Disney Magical Express. And then you get these extra magic hours that you can get into the park, you know, hours beforehand. And then Mm -hmm. you also get this and this and this and this. And and you were like, okay, you know, you can get your fast passes 60 days in advance. And you could like, like there were all these things that you could go, okay. And as well, those the premium experiences were there. The rides, like, okay, yeah, you can go to these other places, but the rides are not going to be as as epic it's not going to be as clean it's not going to be as epic it's not going to be as organized it's not going to be as friendly you're not going to feel like you're being enveloped in magic we we say all of those things and while some of that is still there some of it is still there it has gotten to a point where 
the value is not the same for the, the value is not worth the price that you're paying. So Iger, his contract being extended, that is a major uphill battle that, that he is going to climb. So before we go into our other topic, I, I don't know if I shared this with you because I saw it last week and I don't think we ever got to it on the show last week. I saw a leaked survey from Disney through no official channel. It wasn't through the travel agency. I just saw it on what they might be planning for Genie Plus. Hmm. Have you seen this? I have not seen this. No. So from what I am seeing and from what the survey, so the survey is, so I'm not really revealing any proprietary stuff because the survey is being conducted by Disney to guests. It looks like they're going to give um, guests the ability to choose up to three Disney plus or not Disney plus genie pluses um with purchase up to um I think it said seven days in advance but okay. they're going to tear out the attractions kind of like the way the old fast pass used to be so for example okay. um a seven dwarves mine train or a space mountain or a Tron would be in tier one and you only get to pick one of those first. And then everything else falls okay. into tier two and you get to pick two. So it's interesting to see the way they're going to be going about maybe fixing some of these issues. I know there were a lot of people who saw this leaked survey that I talked to that were up in arms. It's too complicated. In my mind, though, I'm like, you know what, though? It's fair. Like you get to pick one from tier one, you get to pick two from two tier two, and then when you get there, you get to pick more. You get to pick them in advance. It's so a you're marriage not on... of what Fast Pass was versus what Genie Plus is now. So with that said, I can see that they're trying to right some of the wrongs, but they're they've got to go a lot further than that, and they got to start giving some stuff. Like 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 I think this one direction they moved with like single day park fast or a genie pluses versus park hopper genie pluses being less expensive that was a smart move like i don't want to pay 25 dollars for an animal mm -hmm. kingdom fast uh, genie plus all day 15 dollars, i could probably deal that deal with that in animal kingdom right yeah but exactly. like bring back the magical express for crying out loud like that is one thing that you could do right now as part of staying on property that would gain you so much goodwill with your guests yeah uh, well, and I think you got to announce Universal has been like, here's our cards. They've played their hand. We yeah. know what Universal's doing. Universal makes it so simple, by the way, to stay on their property. They have a super superstar shuttle that you can book right at the time. You have to pay for it. That's fine. You got to pay for it. It is what it is. Round trip, $37 a person. Okay, Disney, do that. Instead of having to yeah. go to this, instead like, of trying to having to figure this out on my own or have a travel planner do it for me, just make it part of the trip. Yeah, like that's that's the thing is there's easy ways to do it. Yes. But yeah, I mean, I just think Universal's played their cards, whereas Disney's got to at least tell me, okay, Make you here's come. what's coming. Yep. Here's what we're planning. We're planning these seven new attractions. We're planning this. We're planning that. Because after Tron opened, I'm now looking going, what's the next thing at Disney World? There isn't. I mean, Tiana's Bayou Adventure is really it, and that's just a reskin. Yeah. So the reskin of a of a, of a current Abcot, ride, Epcot. Maybe you've got the Moana water experience, which okay, kind of cool, whatever. But it doesn't make me go. I want to plan a trip to yeah. go to Disney. Like I will see that when I go down again. I exactly. will see I'll catch Tiana's it next place. Time. Exactly. Like I wanted to go down for Tron. I wanted to go down for Guardians. Like those were two major. Like what's I think the question we need to be asking ourselves is what's the next e-ticket? Because that's where we're yeah. at right now. Because Tiana's not an e-ticket. And by far, Moana's adventure is not an e-ticket. So what's the next it's not e It's not been billed as that. No. What is it? What yeah. what you know, is it a park? Is it a is it is it this area past Big Thunder Mountain that Damaro talked about last year? I don't know. All right. So <laughs> that's one part of the problem. The other part of the problem is this <laughs> major major issue of not only the actors the sag actors striking but the writers that have been striking since may and i want to set this up in the context of matt how many times have we talked about on this podcast in the last well since we've been on two and a half years almost three, three years now um how many times have we talked about 
there's going to come a reckoning for streaming. We are here. This is it. The future of it. what is going to happen <laughs> with streaming is literally happening in the present. Um, I'm going to read a quick little blurb I wrote two days ago on my Facebook. Just I think it sets this up really well. Friends, many of you don't realize, but there's been an ongoing writer strike in Hollywood for the past several months. Today, SAG actors are joining in on that strike. While there are many issues, a huge part of this has to do with the future of streaming and how actors, writers, and others who make content get paid. Another major issue is the future use of AI in content. As we all know, this has become much more prevalent. And the studios, including Disney, and I am so disappointed in Iger in this, are not playing fair. Some have even said that their game plan is to wait it out until those striking start to lose their houses, their apartments, and much more. I think I'm a little bit more um, sensitive to this at the moment because this is directly affecting my household. Nate, as a background yeah. actor, cannot go back to work. And even if the strike were to end today, he probably would not see work until at least September or October. One of the things that they're protesting, Matt, is this idea of background actors coming in for a day's work, being scanned, 360-degree scans of their face and their likeness, being paid for that one day, and then having their likeness used in perpetuity for all background work forever and ever without ever being paid again. What in the world yeah. is I that mean, it's, about? It, it's, how, it's what Disney has done for, like, on a ride. Like, you know, they get the, the, the actors who record stuff on rides get come in for one day and then that's just there for the rest of time. But you're right. This, that, that's, that's absolutely ridiculous. I mean, to go, to kind of connect this into the sporting world, this happened with the NCAA. Um, mm -hmm. NCAA used to have a bunch of, uh, uh, video games. Yes. Yes. And and we're they're going through this as they're trying to revamp it right now but way back when what they would how they would get around the the likeness thing is they just wouldn't give the people names mm -hmm. but they would be exactly those players if you yeah, knew were just the numbers, numbers of the the that, numbers of I the remember players, the commentators would say the commentators in those in those games would say number 69 or you know number yeah. 13 just took a sack you know like it was yeah yeah, and so what happened is, like, there was a, a I think it was a basketball player that sued this EA was Sports. Basketball? Saying, like, I thought it was football, but yeah. Um, and there, I mean, there was some football stuff too, but there, like, the actual one of the lawsuits came from this guy being like, "That's me." You can say, "Oh, well, that could be any player," and we haven't put a name on it, but that's me, and and that's that's just it's just wrong to use someone's likeness forever and ever and ever. And expect that, um, and expect that that's going to work. The other story that I have to say about th this AI thing is very interesting. Uh, so I, um, uh, quick story. I, 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 um, there's a company called Pro Church Tools. Um, Brady Shear is is the guy who runs it, and he was he was talking about this story of how um, we took these church headshots. Um, but they were not in a format that we, we, they were in a circle format. We needed them in a square format. So he's like, no problem. He was like, I was giddy with excitement that I can try out this new AI technology that, that, you know, Adobe has throw them in there. And he said, the one problem is that AI does not do hands well. Mm. And he shows this picture of how the AI just can't quite get the hands. And it's like <laughs> one of them is still an arm and the other one, the hand is like deformed. And he's like, we just cropped it up. And so you can't see it. But we all think like, oh, AI can just do whatever. So we'll just scan these people, 360, 360 degree scan. We'll pay them. And then they'll just be movies for all time. And it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> I, I am very thankful that this conversation is happening and it's finally happening in a very public format. AI scares the bejesus out of me. It really does. It scares the bejesus, not because I'm afraid like, oh my God, cybernet's going to come and take us with the term. Like I'm not, yes, is that a potential <laughs> scientific possibility at some point in the distant sure. future? Probably. And I probably won't be alive when that happens. That said, the things that do scare me are things like political ramifications that you can do such damage with these deep fake videos and sound that even if somebody is able to see that it's fake 
all that is, is just practice for that eventual time when it's no longer fake. And all you have yeah. to do is create a little bit of ambiguity among the general public of, well, that's just faked. And then suddenly there's nothing credible ever again. It used to be, okay, you could trust photos and images and text and, and newspaper articles and, and, and audio and video. And then, okay, well, okay. Maybe you can't trust the, the text anymore because, you know, news sources aren't necessarily credible depending on what you're going to watch. And then it became, well, you really can't trust that photograph anymore because people can Photoshop it. Now we're at a point now where you can't even trust your own eyes and ears on video and sound. I have seen some pretty convincing video of Joe Biden, of Donald Trump, of Barack Obama saying things that they probably could actually say at some point, and it sounds just like them, and it looks just like them. We're going to come to a point where the ability to critically think through some of this stuff is so essential. And I know in this content context, it's all about entertainment, but this is a much broader conversation, and I'm very thankful that it's starting to get pushed on really hard. There's the, well, the entertainment industry is, is having the conversation. Cause it also has to deal with, again, like the, the issue that a lot of the actors are having proprietary. Yes. Yes. I mean, what's to stop a studio from saying, you know what? We love Harrison Ford. We're just going to get, we, we now have Harrison Ford and his, his actor model. We can just create Indiana Jones films forever. We don't need new actors. We can yeah. just, use Harrison Ford. We can use his um, likeness. You know, and I think we've talked about, you know, these computer CGI likenesses of things like of Luke Skywalker before. And heck, have you seen Dial of Destiny yet? I haven't yet. So, but okay. I know they, they I know they, they do a really great job at de-aging him to the point that it really does look like Harrison Ford of the 1980s. This is a major problem for when is too much automation? When is automation too much? versus when can you, when is the human capital component important? I want to get to the one thing, since this is kind of Disney, Disney focused, the thing that disappointed me about what Bob Iger, have you seen the quote floating around what Bob Iger said? I don't know if you have or not. No, I have not. Oh man. So while he was at a billionaire retreat, this is what he said. Disney CEO Bob Iger says that writers and actors going on strike in Hollywood are not being quote, realistic with their expectations and it's quote very disturbing to me hollywood writers on average are paid sixty nine thousand five hundred and ten dollars a year bob Iger is currently being paid seventy four thousand one hundred and seventy five dollars a day this is disturbing yep um i'm gonna read a little thing here i'm in a, a group called disney democrats i just want to read this this was posted by someone yesterday uh named Lindsay, and i just think this is so important there's been a thing in this group where people like to praise bob Iger because he said or did something shiny in the news which on the surface is fine he's definitely said and made decisions that i've agreed with and approved and i think we agree with that too matt but at the yeah. end of the day no matter which rich monster defeats the other rich monster or outsmarts the other political monster, they are still a rich monster and they're not our friends. This Bob Iger actually is a, um, guys, this, this quote that he had, this is actually who Bob Iger is. This is who he is. As a former cast member, a dear valued employee, former cast member to be exact, I have never liked Bob Iger. He has been made a few good choices and brought the company money before the pandemic. But the truth is any CEO of the company would do the same, th same things he did. He was not special. And he's the one, and you just said this, Matt, he's the one who put the company in Chappick's hands in the first place. To be clear, I was glad when Chappick was gone, but I did not celebrate Iger coming back. Where well, we did. We did celebrate him coming back. He has never cared about the actual people who brought the company he oversaw success. Disney is not and has never been a successful company because of whichever old white Bob or Michael was CEO at the time. I love that line. It's successful because of the thousands of people you see keeping the lights on in the parks and rides moving and memories magical. It's successful because of the thousands of brilliantly talented artists, writers, and performers who bring their films and shows to life. Um, and then he goes on and on. But I think that last part, it's successful because of the actors, the talent, the Imagineers, the cast members. And this isn't just Disney. This is every major studio. Friends, 
if this isn't affecting you directly right now, it will when you go to turn on your shows in the fall and they're not there. Um, or as Nate has said, like, well, and it's, this it's means not just they're not there. The last time I've been reading articles of last time there was a writer strike, the shows just weren't good. They'll yeah. find people to write the shows. They just won't be good. Well, you remember, I mean, the last time there was a writer strike was um, 2008, I want to say. Yeah. I remember that because everything got sh cut short by a half a year. The last time the actors went on strike was in the 1980s. This is actually the largest strike in American history by total number of count, I want to say since 1982. Um, there's a chance that this strike might be um, superseded by a larger strike by the UPS workers as of August 1st. So we'll see what happens. But as of right now, what I was trying to get, if this is not affecting you right now, it will be affecting you. But remember, these are people's livelihoods. It's not just the Scarlett Johansson's or Robert Downey Jr.'s who make the millions and millions and millions of dollars who are affected by this. It's that support person, the background actor, my partner, Nate, who goes in and makes $124 for an eight hour shift to do what he loves to try to get into this business. It's the caterers, the janitors, it's the, the electric, everybody who, who puts a production like this together, it's them. And mm -hmm. they have now been out of work since May and there's rumor that this could go to the end of the year at least. Yeah. Well, and, and you're even starting to see it in the short term where, um, you know, Disney did their Haunted Mansion premiere and there were no actors. Mm -hmm. They had they dressed up their cast members and now it still looked very, very fun. But there were no actors at the Red Carpet premiere. Cruella DeVille and Mickey and Minnie were at the Red Carpet premiere. And but yep. So it's, it's, it's crazy. So, well, let's uh, shift gears now to our featured topic for today's show. Uh, and that is the review of the latest Pixar movie elemental. Yes. Um, so this movie comes out um, uh, June release, you know, a very big Pixar time uh, uh, historically. Um, I believe this is the 23rd film of Pixar that Pixar has done. And um, they, they often kind of try to capitalize on this early summer into 4th of July. And uh, while it's it has not lived up to expectations, it has rebounded very, very well, especially internationally. Um, yeah. You know, the opening weekend was the second lowest box office opening of a, of a Pixar film in Pixar's history. Um, and that kind of soured a bunch of people on it. And there's, again, a whole bunch of reasons for this. This is the first time that a Pixar film has been in theaters since Onward? Yeah, and Onward was cut short because yeah. of because of COVID. Mm -hmm. there, there is so much to get into before we even get into the plot of Elemental. Matt, I'm on this podcast. I'm on rock record saying I wasn't excited about it. I wasn't. I was not excited about this movie. I'm not hot about Pixar as it is. You are. I'm not. I, I remember saying that this just felt like an inside out soul, like reskin in a lot of ways when the marketing for it came out. I will give Disney a lot of credit. They marketed the heck out of this thing. I think maybe they learned their lesson on Strange World where they waited so long. Yeah. But I think this continues to go in the direction and even part of the conversation we're having right now in that we are still in a post pandemic world. And Disney is trying to figure out a way to navigate the two mediums they have, the box office medium and their own streaming platform medium. And I also think it's important to realize that this thing was up against the behemoth of Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse or whatever you want to call it, whatever the yeah, latest one yeah. is. And that is still doing really hot at the box office. Here we are a month and a half later. Yeah. Um, I mean, that that movie, you've seen that one, right? I actually have not seen that one. Oh, uh, I, I, I'm behind oh my on my movies. God, oh my lord! I'm behind man. on my movies. We need to see that? Like we need to do it. I need to a, see. A like I'm so that. every everyone that I've talked to is it's better has than the, the original. Exact same reaction. It's better than do. the like, original. Oh my gosh, you need to see this movie. Anyway, that's not what we're talking about. But it was up against that. I think it was the second weekend of that. It was up against that. It was also up against. Um, was that was its main competition, like the Flash, the Flash and I believe was it was the, the Blackening yeah. was was in. But the, I don't think. 
that that's the demographic. Like the people that are going to go see the flash are not the demographic that they're worried about. Not well, I, I did. Come on. I mean, okay. We're, we're the anomaly. <laughs> we're the in this anomaly case. Here. You're right. You're right. We're, we're, we're in the, we're the anomaly in the matrix. That's fair. Um, okay. But so to your point, it didn't do well on its opening weekend, but it has since rebounded according to what I'm looking at right now on Wikipedia, $200 million budget. It is currently sitting at 311, uh, uh, $311.6 million. Um, that's actually up from what I looked at like two hours ago. So they must have updated with this weekend's box office take. Um, they said that it would need to hit 400 million to be considered a success. The fact that it's 89 million away from that, the question that it's I not have, the colossal failure that they were no, talking about. And it's it not on, the colossal failure the that opening the, weekend. The, the, the people who thought it was too woke want it to be either. It, 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 it I think has been those who have seen it realize it's actually a touching movie. It's actually a very touching movie. It to, it, to me, I don't think it has any of the, um, the undertones of, of inside out or soul at all. I think it stands on its own. No, you know, I was worried that it was going to feel too much like inside out or too much like soul, but this is kind of its own thing. It's kind of, it's, it's, a, you know, it'll be interesting to see how they play it in the whole Pixar universe theory or whatever. But for what it was, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I went into it with some really low expectations, came out going, wow, that was good. You know, mm -hmm. um, what, what about yeah. you? What was your overall yeah, opinion? I, I thought it was a, a really good movie, a, a solid movie. I, I do have some, um, I do think that it does not have some of the quintessential elements that make a Pixar film so great. That's a so really, like, I don't that's a really think ironic that one, statement, Matt. It doesn't have the quintessential elements, and it's called elemental. Oh, <laughs> zing! Didn't mean to do that. Um, right. And I'll get into that a little bit because I want—I want to start with what I liked about the movie. Okay, that that visually, this movie is stunning. Stunning. Yeah, it is an absolutely stunning movie. Like the characters, because they are these elements, especially the water and the fire. Like just how they're able to make each of them feel unique and they how they move and how they interact with each other and with the world around them. Mm -hmm. It it looks gorgeous. Holy yes. cow. And then I really think for in terms of the main character, Ember and mm -hmm. her family, they do a great job at really developing her parents coming from basically immigrating to element city yeah um uh and 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 building a life in element city from i believe it's you know the the fire nation the fire town fire nation yep. is um something yep. totally different but you know what i'm saying <laughs> um had some moments and, of avatar in there yeah exactly exactly um so you 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 have that and i really feel like that relationship between her and her dad and her dad and the rest of element city and even her mom in there and the struggle that she has with trying to um, this has been my dad's dream. So I need to make sure I'm doing it. And like, I feel like that's really that whole storyline hit for me. Like the end where she does the whole ritual bow to her dad and he goes back. <laughs> Were like, you bawling like a baby? Cause I told you it was hits. bawling. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. It does. Um, and so, um, you know, because you have the, the balance of here's what it is and here's the backstory. Cause I, cause what I, what I always hate of these types of stories is that you always have this feeling like the parents are being unreasonable. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. I never really felt like her dad was being an un has had unreasonable expectation, expectations of his daughter. Mm -hmm. It was based on these past things that we were allowed into that made sense so i never really viewed him as a villain per se whereas he was in conflict you know there was a conflict going on but he wasn't the bad guy which i feel like in a in this type of story the parent is so often painted as the bad guy that won't let the kid uh, achieve their dreams. Mm -hmm. um, and in this, well, case, in this case, in this case, he didn't even know that. Yeah. He didn't know. She didn't necessarily even know that that's not what she exactly. wanted. I think that's one of the things that I really appreciated about this movie more so than others is I don't feel like this movie relied on the same old tropes of 
child doesn't want to be what the parent is, you know, child feel, I, I don't feel like that was the case. I felt this was as realistic as you can get to those emotions of, as you're growing up, you don't know what you want. You think you know what you want, but you're, you're, you're um, inspired or, or, or pushed in one direction or another based on what your parents uh, like. You know, I, I think back when I was a kid, my taste in music was influenced by what my parents listened to. My taste in movies was influenced by what my parents listened to. The fact that I wasn't very political at all until I was in my 20s was the fact that my parents were not political. My parents never drank, so I didn't drink. My parents didn't smoke, so I didn't smoke. My parents didn't do, you know, the, the bad stuff, so I didn't do the bad. Like, you're influenced in a lot of ways by what your parents um, oftentimes and what your family oftentimes um, is kind of built into their tradition. That I felt, you know, that gets played a lot in movies. But what I liked about this was that we got to witness a lot of what was Ember's internal struggle. And we kind of start to, we felt it every time that she would explode because she didn't know how to deal with those emotions. And well, Wade comes along and kind of shows her like, this is what happens every time you're faced with a decision that you're not ready to actually make a decision about yet. And at some point you've just got to make that decision, whatever that decision is, and, and, and make sure that it's the best decision for you. And I love that we're able to see Ember's journey throughout the course of the the picture. And I think real quick, this is another thing that Disney and Pixar do really well, is that for the five-year-old or six-year-old watching this movie, they might not pick up on any of that. To them, it's just fun to watch Ember explode or Wade turn into water and it's colorful and fun yeah. and there's lots of fun lines and lots of fun imagery. But as you get older, for that 11, 12, 13-year-old who might be feeling a certain something or a certain way, this gives them and this shows them how how they're feeling and it puts voice to it. It puts definition to it. And I think that's what these kind of movies do. Absent a true villain, the other thing that stories often do is they post internal conflict. And I thought that was really well done in this, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think again, you can create conflict between other characters without having a villain. And I actually felt like this, this played very fine without a villain, mm -hmm. but you're right with, the, and, and that is quintessential Pixar in that it, they make movies for all ages. Yeah. Um, I have to point this out here too. Um, I also, I, every retail worker ever, uh, can personally uh, uh, um, empathize with Ember. Yeah, like when the the guy with the sparkler is going, all right, it's buy one get one free. I'll just take the free one, and it's like, oh, this it doesn't I have work had this that type way. Of conversation. Oh my god, it doesn't work that way. It's buy one get one half off. Well, why can't I just get half off? Because you have to buy one to get one half off. But I just want the half off. It doesn't work that way. Yeah. Oh my God, I have, yes, those conversations. Yeah, yeah. Yes. You want to know what it's like if you've never worked retail and you're like, how bad can it possibly be? This And, and the same thing where when she's walking around, like, how about you take one off the top and not the one on the bottom of the, like, mm -hmm. like people, people do not pay attention to stuff like that. So, um, so this is where though, like outside of that story, everything else just didn't, feel deep to me really like, yeah wade's story just didn't land for me it it all felt like he was there to, yes he was important in the whole ember story but like th there was something there with him of like his you know because his dad had passed away I, and it's I wanna like ask you a question though does wade have to have a story though like okay I, but this I, is... I, that's what i'm confused at, is that i don't feel like they built up that Wade was going to have a story. Like I felt Wade in a lot of ways was a supporting character. That's the key though. And what Pixar has been able to do in their hits is make you care about those side characters. Let's look at some of them. I mean, let's, let's take out the big one. I mean, Toy Story, we have a thousand side characters. We care. Let, about. Let's go finding Nemo. Finding because Nemo. Dory, you don't care about Dory. I mean, you care about her, but you don't get her backstory until finding Dory. But still, you have a connection to her and her, like, when she has that whole, you know, I, when I look at you, I'm home. You feel that. she's Her character has been developed. The Tank Gang. The Tank Gang it has limited screen time, but you do care about the plight of they are Not stuck really. in this tank. I forgot they even existed until you just said their name. Like there's, there's some, like there's oh, some man. connection to them. I think that, um, 
you know, in cars, the the members of Radiator Springs that are not the main, you know, ones that we spend the most time with, you still care about like their livelihood and other stuff like that. I don't think, well, I don't agree with that. Maybe I, I don't, I, I, I care about McQueen. I care about, care about Sally. I care about um, Mater and maybe Doc because Doc's really heavily involved in, in kind of getting McQueen where he needs to be. But I couldn't tell you anything about Luigi or Ramon or the only reason I know their names is because Blake was obsessed with them for well, years. Yeah, but okay. I, I'm not saying that you personally, I'm saying, but, we, but you know, I'm saying is like, I don't know. Like I don't, I, but I don't, the Royal, I, we as a whole, that's, that's what's made Pixar. So, so, so good is that they, it, they flesh out all of these side characters enough that you actually have a genuine caring of them. And I felt like, we just didn't get a fleshing out of a like and and maybe wade's a bad example but like gail okay so we get a little bit of gail and her sports love and her dad and then all of a sudden and we see her when she's like great job plugging this leak which i have some political opinions about and uh, i I need to get into the political sphere of element city and talk about how the public works is being operated but that's a whole other discussion (laughs) but then the next time you see her she's like helping wade uh, give Ember this great experience. And I'm like, why is she doing this? Like, it, it, this doesn't make any sense. D- did she have a previous relationship with Wade? Like, does she, like she met Ember for 10, 20 minutes. And then now she's like, oh yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll break into this. Uh, I'll break into this, uh, uh, you know, abandoned building and then, and then help her do like, it just, it, it, it feels, it, 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 it it's, it, everybody hmm. feels underdeveloped. I don't see that. I disagree. I, 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 I don't feel that. First of all, I don't accept your premise that, that I don't agree with the premise. You have your premise, but I don't agree with it. That Pixar develops their supporting characters in the way that you've described. I feel the same way as I do about, um, you know, the supporting characters, you know, whether it's Wade's mom, Brooke, you know, Marco and Polo, whoever in this particular movie, as I would about the supporting characters in the Incredibles or the supporting characters in cars or the supporting character. Again, I think toy story is probably the one exception because you come to love that. That's not a one. And well, then yeah, again, this is, a, this is, a, is a hold one on, this is, no, no, this is actually a very controversial statement. And, and th- this is why I'm really kind of curious about your, about your take on this, because if you take it all the way to Toy Story 4, where it becomes this story about like Woody and uh, Bo Peep, everyone was up in arms about, well, what about the rest of them? What about the rest of them, right? Well, like, what am I trying to say here? Like, is it a buddy story or is it a group story? Like, I, I, I don't think that Pixar is known for any one or another type of story i think that they just tell stories based on in the moment and i feel like in this case this was ember's story this was ember's family story wade is the supporting character i got enough of him um the you know the the public works lady whose name i'm forgetting the gail you know um got enough of like i don't feel like I had to go dig deep into Gale because Gale wasn't the point of the story. Wade wasn't the point of the story. Like Toy Story is the one exception. I'm not saying that, that they have to be the point of the story. Like Mr. Potato Head isn't the point of the story in Toy Story. Like anyone who says Mr. Potato Head, we, I, Mr. Potato Head is the main character, but you still get a little bit of his motivations, his development. But that's what I'm saying. Toy Story though is. He- but Toy Story is a group story. So so what we got, what you're saying here is. We have to take Toy Story out of the mix. Pull Toy yeah, Story. Saying, out. I agree. I agree. Pull with Toy that. Story like, out of the mix. Like, like that's yeah. a whole whole different ballgame. But that said, I don't know Luigi's motivation in Cars. I don't know Luigi's backstory in Cars. I don't yeah, know I, Ramon's backstory in Cars. Yeah, I know so, a little bit about them. A little bit about them. Just like exactly. I know a little bit about Gail. But that's but it's it's what they do with that little bit. So it's okay. Um, what we know about Guido and Luigi, they have this, they have, they have this tire shop. They love Ferraris. They are, See, I don't um, remember they're, that. <laughs> they're obsessed with, um, this whole idea of the Ferrari racing and this international racing, the tires where he's looking at, no, you need to go with the white wall tires and everything. And then, um, you know, the no, that's idea all in that, one, that's all in one. This is all in one. 
and okay. and then Guido gets to be on the pit crew of this um of the of a real race car and so mm. the whole scene where he flips up the tires and quickly does it and the mustaches fall off um you know, it, it it hits and is awesome because we know that that's something that Guido's wanted to do he's want to do a pit stop to work on race cars like we see that are they the main characters in the story? Heck no. D- do I need a whole Guido and Luigi side, you know, side movie? No, I definitely don't need that. But just the nuggets that they have feel way more fleshed out than what I felt elemental and in even some of the recent films. I, I guess let's 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 go with a recent film that's even not Pixar. Um, I mean, I'm going to go, you know, um, I'm going to go mega hit of Encanto. Why does Encanto land? Because we you know, yes, the story is about Mirabelle and and it's centered around her, but all the other characters feel full, completely fleshed out. We know things about them. We have connections with those characters, even if we barely hmm. see them on screen or really barely get to interact with them. I just didn't feel that connection with these hmm. characters where I didn't feel like, okay, I've got the three nuggets and I'm now on board with Gale. Um, I don't want more of Gale, but I they they've specialized but, okay, in making but, okay. these connections. I'm gonna I'm gonna push back on the 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 the, the comparison to Encanto, only because what was happening to Maribel in Encanto wasn't just happening to her; it was happening to her entire family. What was happening to Ember was happening to Ember and Ember's family only. It wasn't happening to Gale. It wasn't happening to Wade. It wasn't happening to these other characters. They were supporting players. Wade gets wrapped up into a little bit because he's got the emotions for Ember, obviously, and we get to see a little bit yeah. more of him. But the rest of them, I'm not expecting them in the story. Like, like, like comparing comparing what you just compared would be like comparing one of the random villagers in Encanto that they encounter for a brief second. Like that, that's the kind of like, in my mind, that's who those are, right? Like that, that, that but to me makes the, no sense. Yeah, but that's the key though. If it was supposed to be just a random villager, then just make it a random villager because they actually made this character and gave them a name. There should be something to that. I mean, uh, I mean, mm. I'll go back to a bug's life. A bug's life is all centered around flick. And yet, the characters of the circus gang are are very very popular and dot is a is a very popular character because like yes they're a part of the story Mm -hmm. yeah i mean i i get it this is ember's story but there's other people in the story that i I, like any movie has good supporting characters like let's 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 go back to you don't think these were these were good supporting characters i I just i just don't think they fleshed out the supporting characters well enough i i think we're gonna i guess this can be one of those times we're gonna have to disagree we don't do it a lot we don't we very rarely disagree and we've disagreed on like our takes on movies and like our opinions. So would it be safe to say then you are not hot on this movie? So here, but here's what, and I'll go back to kind of my, my praise. The relationship of Ember and her family, I think was incredible. So well fleshed out that I like, it, it was to the point where like when she was, excuse me, when she was off with Wade and things like that, I'm like, okay, cool. They're falling in love. It's a forbidden love. They're learning about each other. Okay. This is awesome. Okay. I want to get back to the store and I want to, I want to hear more conversations with her dad. I want to hear more. The the fact that her mom is like smelling the love on her. I found that hilarious. I loved it. I loved it. I loved loved it. it. I did too. Um, I thought that was really hilarious. So, okay. Let, let's do what we normally do here because Pixar is a little bit easier to do this with than, than Disney movies are. Where do you put this? Like what one one to ten, what's your rank? And and like where do you put this in the like top? I don't even know if top 25, middle of 20, like I think it's almost gotta be top 10, top 20, top 30, top 40, top 50 kind of thing. Like where do you where do you see this I mean, in the at, grand scheme thing? You're looking at 23 movies. So I'm gonna just I'm gonna say there's a 24th in there. I'm gonna do thirds, but okay. Um fourths. I mean oh, I thirds, think this is thirds. Okay, yeah. So uh, top yeah, yeah, I'll go. I'll, I'll, I'll go thirds. Um, I I think that um, this is an above average movie for me. Okay. But like we're talking in like the six to seven out of ten range. So where would so okay? Like, give me a movie that might be right below it in your mind. Um. Okay. I got to think of. I got to think of my rankings here. Um. I put it in the. 
I'm, I'm, hang on. I got to pull up a list. Of I got it right here. I'm pulling, I'm pulling it up right now. So here, here's I'm, what I'm a got. visual person. Toy, Toy Story, A Bug's Life, Toy Story 2, Monsters, Inc., Finding Nemo, The Incredibles, Cars, Ratatouille, Wally, Up, Toy Story 3, Cars 2, Brave, Monsters University, Inside Out, The Good Dino, Finding Dory, Cars 3, Coco, Man. Incredibles 2, Toy Story 4, Onward. We actually missed a couple. Uh, so, well, these ones weren't in the movie. These ones are in the theater. Soul, I guess Luca, Lightyear. Lightyear was Soul, in the theaters. Luca, Turning Red, Lightyear, and then Elemental. Wow, I forgot. Um, Wow, I forgot uh, how many good films Pixar has made. Holy cow. <laughs> um, I mean, it, it, I think this is what's tricky here because I know this is my personal thing. Like, for, for example, I enjoy Monsters Incorporated way more than you do. So well, you um, enjoy like that. You just... enjoy Pixar movies way more than I do. I, I, yes. I, mean, I look at this um, list. I here's the funny it... thing. When I look at this list, I go, eh, these are okay movies. Like, I don't like there's very few movies on this list that I go, these are amazing. Like, I, I in my mind like, luca is I, an amazing movie you know toy story 4 is an amazing movie coco is an amazing movie inside oh, out Coco's is an amazing movie, movie. the rest of, finding dory is an amazing movie the rest of these are meh for me i kind of put it in the up range like Which, a movie that's yeah. right around is up interesting that okay. you know one, one of the things i appreciated about up is they again like to talk about they develop Carl and Ellie's relationship very, very well. What'd you think of the short before this? I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was cute. Uh, I, um, see, never having seen up, I thought it was cute to to, to it, see. It, it was cute. Yeah. Um, um, I yeah. So actually, maybe then we need to review up here pretty yeah, soon. So maybe you can like see uh, what I think here. Kristen Conley, one of our listeners, sent me a text today. She goes, listening to old episodes. If you've not seen up yet, get on it. I'm like, oh my goodness. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but, so like, okay, so but where I'm do you put at... up though? So okay, yeah. so you're saying like middle of the pack or yeah, middle middle of the pack, maybe even like like edging into the bottom half of that of that middle third. All right, I all right. I'm just I'm high on I mean movies that I rank ahead of this one: Toy Story, Toy Story Two, Monsters Inc., Finding Nemo, Incredibles, Cars, Ratatouille, Wall-E. Um, there's my top third. Just uh, I mean I'm, that's mm -hmm. not in any kind of order, but there's a top third right there. Yeah. Um, Toy Story Three, um, uh, Inside Out, uh, uh, Coco um how do you put this in terms of like luca soul turning red onward like the late the latest edition of the last several onward soul luca turning red light years kind of its own thing but like those yeah. four onward soul luca turning red where do you put this in that group i think they're also kind of in that up range they're like i i definitely did not hate any of those movies I, luca i'm a little bit higher on i think luca's kind of in my top middle third um, I really like that movie. So then really a lot of these, so then it, it would just kind of reading into context clues, this is kind of pushing into maybe your th last third. It, maybe the top of your that, last third. It's getting to that last third. Now, I mean, if you go to my, like my bottom third, we're looking at like Cars 2, um, Good Dinosaur. I'm not as big of a Cars 3 finding dory fan as you are toy story fours down in there um soul i think is a, a movie that, that's five that's five right there uh, so. i'm up to six light year as well is kind of like i enjoyed so then, yeah, it yeah this fun. is in your this is in your bottom your bottom or either in the bottom of your of your of your second third or the top of your third third i i think i think based on just kind of my initial my initial huh. like you know just kind of looking through the list you're looking at the bottom of my middle third is where it's lumped into here if you if i had to flesh out a rankings I, I it it may it may slot a little bit higher, um, but um, that's kind of just where I'm putting it. That's fair. That's fair. I mean, for what, me, it's, where it's, are you at? You know, it, it's hard. Again, I'm not as high on on Pixar movies as you are. Um, if I was like to say, okay, my top, let's say my top six Pixar movies would be, um, let's see here. Top six Pixar movies would be oh, so hard because like they're all kind of like meh to me. <laughs> well, I mean, but um, you, you've had some hits in, in as of late. I there's have. been some that you've been like, you Find, know what? These Find, yeah. Finding Dory's in my top six. Inside Out's in my top six. Um, 
Coco probably. Coco would be in my top six. I'd say Ratatouille's in my top six. So that's what oh, five. Um, um, Luca, turning red. A uh, elemental. Okay, so yeah, it's it's on the it's cusp like the, of... it's on the cusp of my top eight, maybe or or the beginning of my my second eight. So, so really, really what this comes down to is it comes down to what what we've known on this podcast for probably since we've started is that <laughs> I am just higher on other Pixar movies than yeah. you are. And so I know that. And, and one of the things I always had to be very, very careful, especially now as I move in, move into adulthood with these Pixar films is to not do the. Well, this just just isn't how it was when I was a kid. Yeah. Well, I just don't make them like they used to, Casey. (laughs) I I, want to be careful with that um, because I don't want to be like, oh, well, it's not Toy Story. Well, nothing is going to be. And maybe it's one of those, like, as I watch it more, I I kind of will um, have new appreciations for it. I, I just felt like they, they spent a lot of time on the visuals and needed just a little bit more help on the story. I'm going to ask you a question. Yeah. I'm looking at the list of, of Pixar and Disney animated movies. The most recent ones, let's say since COVID elemental elemental. Um, Moving up the list. Strange, strange world. Um, Lightyear. Um, Turning Red, Encanto, Luca, Raya and the Last Dragon, Soul, and then it's and then and then onward and then onward. Okay, so looking at those, Disney's. I think Disney's in a slump. I, that's, I do. I've thought about this. I, I mean, think, you know, I think they're in a slump, man. I mean, the only one of those that I think is even somewhat a moderate hit would be Encanto. And I, I think that's that's they 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 struck gold there. But everything else now, again, noted Raya and the Last Dragon fan right here. Um, uh, I, you know, I I love that movie. I love Raya and the Last Dragon. But yeah, like all the rest of them are just kind of okay. And I've been wondering this for a while, you know, we, we were on, we were on a high. And if you look at the, if you look at the, the, the list of these Disney animated movies, you can see the roller coaster up and down and up and down. And we've been on and up. I mean, let's look at this, man. The, the, we started... the, the last, the last big hit that they had would have been November, 2019. And that was frozen too. That, that was that they went out with a bang on that one then onward should have been a hit. If it was allowed to stay in the theaters and COVID never happened, I think onward would have been a hit. They took a loss on that. And if you just go right down the list of their animated stuff since COVID, they, this is, I think the reason why part of this negotiation, the strike, what's going on in Hollywood is theirs that we are in a very different era for 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 movie studios right now animated or otherwise <laughs> i i think what will the, the i am waiting for and you mentioned this last on the last pod wish coming yeah. out this holiday season the previews that i have seen i am very excited about it and that could hopefully be one that kind of breaks them out of the slump but yeah i just think i i think we're just seeing a little bit of a of a little bit of a downturn and some of this is just natural like through a whole bunch of other factors i mean y- you look at what came off the 90s was the 2000s well what what happened in the 2000s a bunch of the animators got let go from the company and that's when dreamworks popped up because they all went over to work for dreamworks is this the bob chapic effect do you think I mean, it might be i mean we talked about that last two years we're in that period now where the stuff that would have been produced under his tenureship would, would probably be at this point in post-production or have been released i wonder if some of this is the bob chapic effect i mean it, it it might be i think you pair and i think similar to our argument uh earlier in the pod it's not just one thing Mm-mm. it's the chapic stuff 
It's this whole writer strike thing. It's streaming being more prevalent. Like it's you put all of these into a pot and you go, okay, maybe this is the reason for this downturn. I mean, now the one exception to that would be, I think it was pretty easy to see um, why in the seventies Disney had problems with their entertainment because Walt had just died and he was the one that was such a driving force behind all this creativity that. Yeah, it makes sense why why the movie studio struggled because their visionary had left. Um, yeah. But in 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 all of this other stuff, it's this it's all these ingredients that have been thrown in, and you go, man, there's just a lot of stuff that's against you here. Well, and if you even look at the one hit we're talking about in Kanto, from a box office perspective, it's not a hit. From a box office perspective, it didn't. It only made two hundred fifty-six million against a budget of about one fifty. So you add in any of the advertising, it may, it may have broke even, but it didn't bring profit to the company whatsoever. So, like even that, the one hit in the last basically four years that they've had hasn't made them any money. So the question begs itself. If Disney's not making money, how do they continue? How do they continue this this process? So I, I think it's going to be interesting in, to in see Kanto, what happens. In Kanto, you can continue to make money off of. If they were to make an Encanto ride in Disney World, it would be a very popular ride. People would go on that ride. Well, I know they're if they were announced it. tomorrow, hey, we've got a Strange World ride coming. People would go, cool, I guess. <laughs> um, like it, or if they were to announce that, hey, we're turning Dino Land into Element City, everyone would go. I mean, cool. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. I, I don't. That wouldn't again draw people down. I think again, if you open the 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 one hit of Encanto may have not been a box office success, but it's something that you the Disney company can continue to use, and that's what you want from these kind of properties. You want something that yeah. transcends the movie and can be something that you can profit on with rides and shows and you know insert the rest of the stuff here you you run into some of these movies and you go okay it had its run is it gonna do anything beyond that mm -hmm. yep well okay I, that was a heck of a movie review my friend we 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 got deep on this podcast we really did we, I, you know what i liked about this the most is that the the topic at the top had a lot to do with the topic at the bottom like it all connects it all connects it all comes together and maybe we're wrong and if we're wrong i'd i'd love to hear your thoughts maybe you've got a different take on this um you know please hit us up on all the ways to connect with us which we'll talk about here in just a second but like you know we're in a you know i, I remember matt when we started this pod in march of 2020 you made a statement that it was the golden age of disney fandom yeah. What a interesting three years it's been yeah. and how times have changed in a lot of ways. Um, Marvel is not operating on all cylinders like it was. I think that I think the future of Marvel is. I, I think that that um, murkier, it, it's murkier than what it was. Star Wars, the future of where Star Wars is going right now is still kind of oblique right now. Um, or opaque, I should say. I feel better way. about the future of Star Wars than I do about the future of Marvel. Which is, right a, you imagine saying that three years ago, Matt. Imagine saying that. I was going to say, man. Not not having any idea where the parks are going for the first time in how long. You know, right now mm -hmm. we've got really one Disney movie that we're really excited about, and that's Disney Wish. And other than that, we're kind of in this weird space right now. So we need a true leader to step forward, whether it's Iger or someone else to say, all right, Disney fans, we know it. you've been in a Valley for a little bit. Let's give you some five year out previews. Let, let's show yeah. you what we're, let's bring you back to what Walt um, really intended for this company, you know? Yeah. yeah. So, Just all right, Matt, something like give us something. It is closing time Matt. how do they get a hold of us? can email us beers and years 1928 at gmail.com facebook beers and years podcast twitter and instagram at beers years 1928 um go to caseywoolly.com if you're looking to plan a trip um uh and and book through casey um do that right <laughs> thank now thank you yes um, yes 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 go I ahead actually, and uh... rate us five stars on it go ahead sorry go ahead um rate us five stars on apple podcasts 
Um, as always, you know, we appreciate you listening and the word of mouth that you give us. It's been so fun to like, uh, uh, talk to listeners that didn't find us because we personally knew you in our lives. Um, it's like, Oh, look, someone we don't know is listening to us. <laughs> it really is kind of exciting to see that yeah. come through. When I hear someone say, I listened to the podcast and I discovered you, you know, on the app or I discovered you because so-and-so talked about you or, or whatever the case may be. No, what I was going to say was, um, I mentioned this last week on the pod. I'm going to mention it again. Um, I've started something new through, uh, the travel planning, uh, and caseywoolly.com. If you go to caseywoolly.com, there's a link that says sign up for Monday uh, Monday Magic Articles. Um, I, I promise it's not spam. Once a week, every Monday, um, I'm sending out a new article about planning a trip, uh, Disney, Universal, whatever. Right now, the three articles that are out there are why you should always use a travel planner, what your budget should be. And then uh, last week, the article that was sent out was all the different ways that you can get onto a Disney ride, whether standby, uh, Lightning Lane, Genie Plus, etc. This week, the one that came out this week, that's part of um, uh, Monday tomorrow, is going to be to park hop or not to park hop. That is the question, and whether or not you should take advantage of the park hopper option. And I break down all the different ways park hopper can be beneficial for you for certain trips, but can also be a waste of money for you for other trips. So if that's something that interests you, I highly recommend signing up. Just go to caseywoolly.com. I can, um, uh, I guarantee you'll like the articles. So. All right, Matt, let's raise our glasses. This episode has been on us. We will see you next time. Bye, everybody. Yeah, there <laughs> you go. <laughs> uh, I got to find the stop recording. Thank you for listening to a Sorcerer Network podcast. Sorcerer Network.